Welcome to A Matter of Music. I'm Don Wisner Johnson. And I'm Beth Wisner Jansen. And we're here to provide a unique space for musicians to gather tools, ideas, and education to help master this crazy business of music. So welcome. Today we're gonna do an overview of many things that we'll talk about in the next few weeks. And um, we just wanted to welcome you and give you an idea of who we are and what we've, we've been trying been to do this for years. Yes, we and have. we're big procrastinators sometimes. But yes. technology and uh, the thing that shall not be named that has us all in our homes. Right. We are finally. Right. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for us to do this. Is right. Shutting down. So. Beth Sorry. and I, yeah, Beth and I have been doing a few zooms with um, some artists, and and it's been very stimulating and great to be in there. We appreciate all of them. Some of you might be listening today. Um, and so as we began to do that, we were like, why aren't we doing what we've been talking about for years? So, so here we are um, talking about a matter of music, all matters of music, basically. So today we're going to talk about a lot of those. Um, Don and I have both worked in music in different aspects of the music industry for about 30 years each. Wow. A little longer. <laughs> Or that old. It is longer than that. Very young. Oh, I, I was a teenager when I started. So she was. You will figure out our age as we talk because she's not going to tell you. Give away things. I okay. Know. So yeah. So let's just tell that tell you guys what we're going to be talking about. Some of the subjects we are also going to be having some guests on. Uh, we have a huge list of guests. Some of them don't know they're going to be on yet, but they <laughs> they like yeah. us. So that's we have good friends. So. Um, so we'll, you know, sometimes have guests on and get their, uh, stories and, you know, stuff they've learned in the industry experience, experience right. stuff. So, um, one of the first, one of the things we're going to talk about is sync and music soups. Sync is short for synchronization when you put music to television, film, commercial, something like that. Right. And, um, music sync, syncing your music, um, is a big deal right now. Licensing to television shows, games, um, film, uh, what else, Beth? So many, so many places and avenues. Ringtones, I mean, you know, there's elevator, yeah. there's just, yeah, there's ringtones, there's all sorts of things. And it's a, you know, as the music industry changes, you're constantly having to figure out how to replace the income you've lost from whatever has changed in, you know, record sales and whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, syncing, if you can get into that and it's a broad world right now because TV shows have back-to-back -back music, a lot of them, and there's more TV shows than there ever have been in production. And I heard there was like, was it 800 shows in production? Seriously. Scripted, right. scripted shows in production. Um, that doesn't include, you know, GMA and those kinds of things. So. Right. Yeah. Be because of our digital, um, part, you know, networks that have been popping up. Netflix, Hulu, you got you guys know the major ones, but there are so many more. We're beginning to go that way. Um, there's so many shows. And um, one of the other places I was gonna say was production music libraries. This is a place where musicians can put their music and all kinds of different ways that you can sync music. So if you're an independent artist or if you're assigned artist. Um, these are ways that you can reach out. And if it isn't happening for you, you really need to get on the train um, because the music is needed. And, uh, it, you know, it pays. Royalties are paid to you. 
on the back end. We'll talk about that in the future. Um, there are lucrative ways that you can get paid. Network television is one of those. If you can get some placements there, it is still more, the royalties are paying quite well and in our world. Um, the others will be coming along, but yeah, that's a way. John could talk about music souping and that forever. Yes. He I loves could. it. It's one of her favorite things. And then the next thing we're going to get to is one of my favorite things, which I could talk about forever and people don't like it when I do because it's very boring to most people. <laughs> yeah. Copyright. It's I love, the, I love the minutia of copyright. My kids, my children who are now young adults, they all know more about copyright than most musicians I know because I talk to them about it too. So we'll go into copyright and how do you protect your work. Um, types of licenses will probably be within that as well. There's different licenses on how you can make money and license other people's music, do your own. Um, you would need to understand what all of those are. Also, the MMA, the Music Modernization Act, which was just passed in 2018, um, which took several years and all the music industry, which was one of those times that I, you know, I'm like, go guys, go, because everybody got together and went to Congress and demanded that some things be changed in the whole copyright because of streaming and digital platforms and things. It wasn't, the law was not up to date with um, where technology has gotten. So the modern, Music Modernization Act yeah. um, has solved some of those problems. It's probably going to continue to need to be updated, but we, we're hoping maybe we can have a guest on that. Um, yes. Explain that further. If not, we'll get into the details of it. And, you know, right. one of those shows you might not like, but if you're a musician, you should probably watch. So Yes, it's good to know that background. The, uh, I was in a Zoom recently with the Music Modernization Act board members, all of the people who have been hired. It's a nonprofit. It's a non yes, thank you, Beth. It is a nonprofit, but they they have come together to do a website and everything that's going to help with uh, this new modern modernization it's act. It does have to do with the digital streaming, as Beth was saying, as I mentioned a bit ago. Net Netflix and Hulu, and there's more. They're not paying as much for music and royalties. And so this is going to definitely help that. There's gonna be laws that come into place because of, of the Music Modernization Act. So, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's nerdy and heady, but it's also, you need to know. We'll so, try to keep it light and funny along the way. <laughs> right. Try. It's hard to make that light and funny, but. But sometimes I get all excited about copyright. So you'll have to excuse me if that happens. <laughs> I'm that kind of nerd. So, yeah. okay. Another thing that we're going to talk about is PROs. PROs stands for Performance Rights Organizations. So this is, you've heard these terms probably, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and what's the new one, Don? I can never remember. Uh, uh, G. G something. GMA. It's not for you because it's basically. No about five artists and Sorry, but i don't think about them but, yeah their um, former manager who like started their own because they can because they have they're that powerful so anyways so ascap bmi csac uh basically this is the places that collect the money from tv shows from radio from where all the music is used they collect it and then they send it out um to the artists so you need to be associated if you are recording music you need to be associated with one of those whether right. you're they, gonna get paid or not or place right. They handle cue sheets and paying royalties for television for sure and, and many other avenues. Um so And they're uh, usually really great, but we've had some uh, you know, oh, yes. We're not gonna tell you who you should or shouldn't sign with, 
unless you ask us directly, and we might say that. Um, but email but, me. But I wouldn't mind telling a bit of that story. Okay, um, a few years ago, when was that? 2012 or 13? 12, 12 I, wish, 13. I wish I knew the exact date, but um, what we, Beth and I have been working with several um, television composers and songwriters and we, with our company and we were pitching music and um, on that day where- One day, everybody got their statements. <laughs> everybody, yeah, you actually get your, you'll get your, if you're a direct deposit, you get your money go that goes in that pays you your royalties for a quarter of music that was- From nine months before. Nine months before. And so this day came and I was actually excited. one of those people who would get paid. Get paid for my music. <laughs> right. Um, and some of those musicians were making quite a bit of money on their television placements and everybody one by one started texting us. Wait, I just got my royalty statement. It's about, I don't know, a quarter. 40%? Yeah. A quarter 20%. of what I usually get. What's going on? What's going on? It took us pretty much the entire day to figure out what was going on. It didn't take long. We found an email from this PRO who... They had put it at the bottom of the email. Yeah, and in... And they in, weren't specific. They said things things are going to change. Things are going to change. It was very vague. So obviously I can tell who this was because you could see it was ASCAP that had started paying songwriters for songs 80, almost 70 to 80% less for a royalty because they didn't feel it was fair for composers um that the songs were getting paid so much more um so they had ASCAP had taken it gone to their board they had decided this but there wasn't really anything put out where the composers and songwriters knew this was going to happen so Beth and I ended up in the offices with the VP and many others and we took we some of our songwriters tell the rest of that story later <laughs> we'll tell the rest of that story later but we started a petition um, we got some guys out, we got, got some guys people. out, moved them over to BMI who was, were still paying and still do. Um, ASCAP still paying. It's just, they changed their, uh, what do they call it? They changed their computation, their method yes. of how they calculated the how world. Calculates. Right. So yeah, that was an interesting, fun. Yeah, that was, well, we got to go sit in their offices, which are really nice. We did. Right. So Next one is marketing yourself, um, which is another big, big topic. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to bring some pretty good guests on who are doing this in the world for artists and they know a lot of tricks and things to help you um, get yourself marketed. Um, um, what creativity. are some other Creativity is important. Right. Creativity is important. Um, within that, I think management is also something we can talk about within marketing. Right. Because managers will, uh, of course, end up doing this. Beth and I ended up managing a band, which is not something we had um, thought we would ever do. I mean, not we, we knew we could do it. I think we just <clears throat> weren't really interested in handling that. Management seems like a pretty big... It is a big... It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It is a big deal. So, a lot of work. Yeah. What? Uh, well, yeah. One of the things that happened. I think I was going to talk about this in artist development, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it because the story works here. Um, 
we, my son was actually starting out and doing music and we recorded a record for him, Chris Ryan, and he ended up being actually one of our first television placements. And, but we also wanted to market him. And so we found an avenue with Best Buy. They had um, music stores going on and I went to my local one and I was just looking around and I thought, hey, we're releasing his record. They still have CDs in their stores um, as I does. So I went and talked to the guy and I said, Hey, how can we get CDs in here from an independent artist? And he said, we actually have a program and here's who you contact, go do this. And so I took that and I went and looked at it and I applied and we got a CD in there and I kept talking to the manager of the music store. And he said, Hey, you know what I'm thinking is we should have, we should do shows in here too. And wouldn't that be great? And I'm like, yes perfect idea. Let's do that. You know, so the manager and I decided we'd start with Chris Ryan and that would be their, their big push to start having local shows in there. So we, um, did like a record release kind of there, right? We did a record release for Chris Ryan and Best Buy in our local store. And, um, it was a, it was a success. We had a lot of people show up. They were putting flyers in every bag. So people knew it was free publicity for him. Free publicity for us and for Chris. And so one of our friends that was in a hardcore metal band. Where is it? Oh, wrong side. Oh, Sleeping Giant. There they are. There it is. They're, they're behind my head too. Yeah. Um, they all the came. They were all at the show. And after the show, he came to me. Um, he was the guitarist and one of the guys in the band. And he said, hey, will you guys manage our band? <laughs> I'm like, what? Please, please. He was kind of begging a little bit. I was. He said, please, please, please. I see what you did with Chris. And I think, you know, you guys would be great management. Now, this is hardcore face tattoos. <laughs> you know. It was. We've we been are. Friends, friends with them for a while. Yeah, but you could see what we, what, who we are. And it's like, that's an interesting choice. Oh, it is. It's an interesting it was, choice for a hardcore band. I tell you what, that was, we were successful in a lot of ways. We helped them record the album that Beth just showed you. Um, we we made them go to a couple of festivals that were more mainstream and they did not want to go. Right. And I just acted like their mother, like a manager should sometimes and said, you're going, get on the plane. So, <laughs> and they did. And they connected with a lot of people that helped them kind of expand. Right. The director of their video, their first video they met there. So, right. you know. I will never forget a show in Pomona, California at, um, at a venue there. <laughs> um, a lot of people had flown in for their show, friends from back east, and my friend was standing in a group talking to these guys, but I had a question. I, I needed something. Were you right there with me too, Beth? I think so, yeah. I, I think, I, think I was just listening to their conversation. And right, and so in. I just kind of walked in because I had a question. They were doing a live show that night. I needed it answered right away, and I walked into this group of dudes, and it was like, they all turned and stared at me like, why is she here? We will kill her. <laughs> that is how I felt. I know they really weren't. I don't think they meant that, but that's what they look like. That's what I felt like. Uh, uh, face tattoos. They're nice guys. They were nice guys. But the, our friend turned to them and said, oh, by the way, this is Dawn. Here's Beth. They're managing our band. And then their faces went like, huh? And then after that, we were cool. But... <laughs> It, it was a kind of a different place for two female sisters to be, but 
it was a great experience. We met a lot of good people. And so, yeah, so that kind of ties into artist development too. It does. It does. So you're, um, if you have a good manager, if you're marketing yourself, there's a lot of development. You, especially in this day and age, things change constantly and, you know, not preaching to the choir here. Everybody knows that you have to be able to adapt our company. We adapted, you know, we had one focus when we started take two productions, which was our original company was to, you know, uh, do syncs and get independent artists into film and television and things happen. And that didn't work out for us to make a, a living on it completely. We were successful at doing that, but not enough because of us, because of changes in the industry, whatever. So we started doing management. We started promoting shows. We did a lot of things and you just have to adjust. That's the biggest takeaway to me from artist development, but Don, you want to. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I'm done with that. But Beth, I wanted you to talk about you guys in, in marketing and, and developing. This is kind of a different side, but Beth's um, husband was a recording engineer. And in, in the industry we were involved in, um, he, re, he was actually the engineer for four of the albums that I was on in, right. in the 80s in the band I was in. Some of the ones behind me up here too. Um, right. Not the but ones it, that everybody's going to recognize he did not work on Sting. Oh. It's all Sting. He did not work on Mine is right there. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. Um, we, we moved to Nashville in 1994. We were not happy to move to Nashville. We didn't want to. We moved from Southern California to Nashville because all of our friends and all of my husband's work had moved to Nashville. So we got to the point where we pretty much had to. Um, so he, we moved to Nashville and he was a recording engineer, didn't own his own studio. Um, it was the beginning of Pro Tools. We had a Pro Tools rig and saw the writing on the wall that things are changing and people are going to be able to do all this without him. We realized quickly. Um, but you know, we were working, not making a lot of money. Um, and at one point we'd been there probably about a year, year and a half. And he came home and he said he took a gig and I was not thrilled because it was way too little money. And he was just a nice guy. He just wanted to work. So I finally told him, look, I'm your manager from now on. That's that. That's what that is. Don't tell people, you know, I'm your wife. Just if they offer you a gig, you have to discuss it with your manager because we need to, you know, we need to work and try to get, you know, don't ever take the first offer, you know, mm. see what, feel them out and stuff. So anyways, I started acting as his manager so that, um, you know, we could, he could have that breathing room instead of being put on the spot. It was just a way for him to back off of this. And it wasn't like he had to get my permission as his wife. It was just a way to back off the situation and go, let me think about this for a minute instead of, you know, so that's just right you know do what you got to do right he ended up working on a major film with friends he worked on that thing you do <laughs> um he recorded the demos for uh rick elias and um scott rognes and linda elias wrote one of those two um they had known um a producer uh gary getzman um uh and when they were in California and Gary had called him and said, Tom's doing his first, you know, he wrote this script and he's going to do his directorial debut. We need music from what sounds like the beginning of 1964, right when the Beatles are, you know, so Rick asked me to go to the, the uh, hall of fame, country music hall of fame, where they had all the billboards and I made a, you know, copies of all of the billboard charts for him where you could see the crossover between quartets and you know like real quartets like barbershop quartets on the radio to yeah. you know the quartets of the Beatles and um and then Dave went in the studio and um recorded the demos and they got five of them placed in the movie and then he recorded them for the film so right um, and then he also at that time um recorded um 
Bob Carlyle's Butterfly Kisses. Mm -hmm. But he didn't make any money because he was a recording he engineer. He so. didn't, but I always like her to tell that story because we worked with Dave, um, rest in peace, he passed away in 2007. But um, in my bands, we always worked with him and he was always a phone call away. He just had that ear. He knew how to get a sound if he knew what it was or he heard it. And for that thing you do, I believe that that is why, you know, he, he was a big key in that and getting that. 1960s sound he, every every al every uh, album he ever worked on when he would meet with the band the first time he would ask him what their five influences were and then he would go to a used cd store and he would buy 10 to 15 cds hmm. we have a lot of cds <laughs> we still do we still do and yeah. so he just would immerse himself in that sound so that he was ready when they started recording to get whatever sound you know right so so if anybody out there is a recording engineer, we have lots of stories about that. And we know a lot of really excellent ones as well um, because of Dave. So yeah, so the next um, one that, a uh, next uh, subject, subject is boring again. Is another boring one. Which it's is really exciting to me. <laughs> I'm boring. <laughs> you haven't noticed contracts. Yeah. So there, you know, you, Artist, I am not an artist. I love music. I love the music industry. I'm not, I'm, I'm a creative person, but not writing music and stuff. So I always hear artists talk about, I can't think about that because it takes me out of my creative space, which I totally get because I'm a writer. I write, I write words, books. But um, when you get out of the creative space, it just shuts, you know, to, to deal with business, it just shuts you down. And so we understand, we totally get, yes. don't want to deal with the music business. One of the reasons we're doing this is so that we can give you all the information that you need, help you understand the terms of a contract, the words you need to look out for, what those things mean so we can maybe help you get the shortcut so you don't have to spend so much time reading a contract and being just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Maybe you can understand it a little bit better. That's our goal. We're here as advocates for artists. Right, we are artists. not lawyers. We are, we are not, not lawyers. We do not we have not that lawyers. degree. But um, we have acted for, you know, we've helped some artists. Uh, we had one girl that came to us and said, I've been on a reality, you know, one of the TV shows, you know, um, as, and, a singer. as a singer. And then I have another one that wants me to come on. We won't say the names of those. Um, and here's the contract. And should I do it? And she wanted to record her own she wanted um, to play her own songs on the show and they had in their contract, we went over the contract and they had in their contract that they were going to have the publishing on that. And so she didn't understand what that meant. And we were concerned that they were going to take her music, even if she didn't win, that she, they would then own the songs. So we went back and forth with the network, you know, and we are always very clear. We're not attorneys, we're managers, but we do understand, you know, we're, we're kind of a, stop before the attorney so you can save a little bit of money we can point out a few things that you right know, are yeah, we, we never say do not check with an attorney but if you want somebody to check with before you get to that point um we also do consultation and um you know for an hourly fee we will look over something like that and it we're pretty fast because we've looked at a lot of contracts over the years so um we might be able to save you a little bit of time in even knowing is this even something i should pursue right but right. one thing i liked about that story and what happened with us was that even 
this was a major television network show and I didn't, I thought, okay, I'm going to redline this. We're going to red, Beth redlined the contract. We said, here's the things that we want changed so that she can continue to go forward in the show. And pretty much they agreed to them. So, you know, you were surprised. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised, but it also told me that, you know, you have to ask the question here. We've got this person. If you really want this person, here's, here's how we're going to move forward. Is it, does that work for you? They came back and said yes. I mean, does. the worst case is they say no, and right. you accept it or you don't. So so why not ask? ask? So it also gives them the heads up that you might know what you're talking about. Right. You're not a carpet to be walked upon. Right. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I've been a carpet. <laughs> even, even when I had been in the industry for two decades, there have been things that have happened to me with my music. And you've got to be careful. You can't you need to have a contract for everything you do it can't just be you know even we're if talking about this yeah even if you're in the studio recording with your friends you need right. to under make an understanding with them or if you hire a singer to sing on your demo or something you need right. to have just a one sheet that releases them from coming back and claiming they wrote the song co-wrote the song right promised them points and in, in, in our future podcasts, we're, we're going to cover a lot of those things. So I want you to be aware that you can look, look for the titles and you can find, you know, uh, contracts for the studio or, you know, those kinds release. of right, releases, musician releases and split sheets and those kinds of things. So um, do your homework and, and stay here and keep listening because we'll share those things. Um, and if you have any feedback, please let us know other things you want to discuss because we'd be happy. Yeah, to. we like to answer questions. So yeah, we do. Send them on. Right. So another one is cover songs and YouTube and how this all works. How, how do you do this legally? How do you make sure that you can post a cover that you've just recorded on YouTube? There are a lot of things, a lot of hoops that it's, you can jump. Yeah. It's, con it's constantly changing. YouTube's constantly yes. kind of adjusting. Cop, uh, copyright holders have, you know, ways of, they kind of crawl through YouTube and, you know, YouTube does. They crawl through and listen for, um, you know, things that are somebody else's material. Mm -hmm. And then they go in and they, you know, block things. There's ways you can get around that. And YouTube and copyright holders are kind of working together to allow that more. So we'll, we can get into how that works and the best way for you to there's certain settings, there's certain things you need to do in order to, to set that yeah. up properly. So your channel doesn't get flagged. You don't want to get flagged right. for copyright right. violation. Because after three, YouTube takes you down. That's fine. Or right. they monetize you, but. You right, know. and I just want to say something about cover songs, um, which we will talk about in the coming weeks. Um, cover songs right now with music supervisors are huge. If you watch television at all, you're going to know this because you'll hear a recognizable song but it's not the artists that you knew, but it, you know, it, it's being done. And uh, music supervisors love this. They don't have to deal with the original master. Um, they it's can go- a record company that's been eaten by other record companies. Like Right, sometimes chasing those down can be hard. So I even heard a show that I'm watching right now um, that utilized the song in several places with several different um, covers. One was an instrumental, then there was a, a girl doing the cover, then there was another 
person doing a bit of the cover. So I was like, wow, that is pretty cool. So um, just so you know, uh, the cover songs, you know, this is, this is a big deal right now. And it's kind of a way to get yourself out there as an artist as well. We've had several artists who have had a lot of, of views on their YouTube channels with, with a cover song. So it's another great way to market yourself. So that'll be another subject that we cover. Um, I think overall, that's about it. There may be more, but I, I, to wrap it up, I just want to talk about, um, succeeding in the business. Beth touched on this. When we started our company, we had a focus that we thought we were going to do. And so even with a company or as a musician or whatever business you're in, I think it's very key to know, number one, it takes time. Um, Beth and I know this, even getting to this point on our podcast, we've done a lot of our homework and, you know, put a lot of, of things in place before we started recording, but, um, there aren't overnight successes. I hope you all know this now, that being said, there might be one or two every <laughs> year, <laughs> but most of them, I remember watching Stapleton with, yeah. Where did this guy come from? Timberlake, yeah. He just came out of nowhere, been writing. Who doesn't know when that happened on national television and that, all eyes were glued when Stapleton and Timberlake played that song together. Except everybody in Nashville was like, what? It's Chris, yeah. right? Everybody did know Stapleton in Nashville, but the world didn't know him yet. And I mean, within a month, I, I think one of my friends said, uh, we worked at ABC television at the time and we got uh, an email that said, do you want to go see Chris Stapleton? And she literally called me. Did you just see that email go by? Yes, let's go. Okay. I mean, I was an instant fan, but so that may have seemed like an overnight success for Chris to a lot of people, but he knew and you'll see him in interviews. Oh man, I, I paid my dues, you know? And so and he was in his 30s, mid 30s to late 30s. I think happened. when Bonnie Raitt finally hit, I think she was in her early 40s, maybe. Right, right. And it was like overnight sensation. She'd been doing it for 25 years. Right. You know? so, so just so you know, if you're plugging away at music, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to have successes. I, I was in a band, speaking of success, in the 80s. I had a friend that I was in high school with and I was in choirs together and he got a record deal and called me and said, are you going to be at church tonight? I want to give you a tape, a CD or a, a cassette a tape, tape, a actually. cassette tape. A cassette tape. Beth and I went, we got in the car, put it in. I had no idea about this type of music. I had just, you know, come from overseas. Um, it was er mid, early 80s. 83. Yeah. 83. And so for me, in a way, that was an overnight success. But my friend. Well, who, said, who gets the call? Do you want to be in a band and, with the recording contract and go on tour for the next five years? Right. I got that call. Don did. It but my happen. friend had been plugging away at this for about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I you mean, just, maybe not 10 because he wasn't even that old, but maybe five at least. He just grabbed his coattails and. I did. And I remember he would perform some original music and I was glued. I didn't, wasn't sure about the style, but I knew instantly in my heart and soul, man, this is incredible. I mean, he's really good, you know? So, 
as soon as he said that, even before hearing the music, I pretty much knew, you have a record deal? Okay, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> you know, I had been to a couple of years of college. I was I was in majoring in voice and a keyboard. You know, I had, I had taken organ. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I really didn't know. And I didn't think I wanted to teach school as far as traditional school. So, you know, I took a year off and it was at the end of that year that he offered this. And it was like, wait a minute, that's what I want to do. I enjoy being on stage. Of course I want to do this. So um, anyway, for me, that was pretty instant. So there's another story there. Pay attention to your friends and what they're doing. And, um, you know, don't, don't push anything aside because you never know what's going to hit and keep your network going. We will talk about that too. Networking, um, Beth hates it. I love it. We figured out last night why. We'll explain that later. I figured it out. You just never listened to me. <laughs> when I explained to you, because I told my son, I told her again why I hate marketing and why she loves it. And he's like, didn't you tell her that three months ago? I'm like, yes. I know. It's a whole energy, kismet, you know, it's balanced It's a personality universe. thing. It's, it's a, a personality person. thing. I, I am actually a, in, I am an introvert, but I'm one of those extroverted introverts. So I will get go in my room and I will gather up all of the energy and I will like absorb it like a battery and then Don and I will go out and and I will act like I'm an extrovert it looks like it to everybody but we leave and I'm exhausted I get in the car and I'm like holy crud and Don's like yeah I'm like excited Aren't and you I she explained like, no, to me you have all my energy she explained to me last night and I think I will get I understand this now and it's really sad but I take everybody's energy in she the room absorbs it I absorb it and it just makes me more into the whole thing. So, so thank your introverts in your life for being and the batteries. In my life, I thought I was an introvert, but it wasn't really true. I'm an extrovert. When did you think you were an introvert? Maybe, I don't know. I think I went to four different high schools. Oh, it's because of your upbringing. It was because of my people. upbringing. We should tell people because they're going to think we're weird anyways. <laughs> Because we just keep dropping things like when I came back from overseas. Um, our parents were missionaries. So we grew up uh, in an Indian reservation in Southeast Asia, um, in Malaysia and in the Philippines. In we moved North around. The longest time we were anywhere was four years. Four years. We were in Malaysia at that time, completely off by ourselves. I mean, from no family. Family, family and America and, and all of that. So, um, you know, it just... It was just a different upbringing. I wouldn't trade it for anything, actually. Um, I'm so glad that I have that, you know, experience. I'm. I consider myself a world citizen, not not an American, so to say, so to speak. But um, but yeah. So those experiences actually helped us a lot. But. Yeah, they helped us. You have to get out of your shell. You can't be. I was really shy as a child, and you just can't be when you move every couple of years. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, we will talk about the networking aspect. Um, I will pull Beth in at times to go network with me, but I'm completely happy to go do it on my own now. So um, as far as when you're, when you're going out. Um, it is you know. necessary though. Even if you hate it, you have to do it. I make myself do it. So. And I that was my point. Job, yeah. We've had a lot of success over the years, Beth and I, and Many of the people we've worked with have been people we've met and a year or two later, they'll come along and say, hey, can you, we want to work with you. So one thing I'll say about that is Beth and I, um, we, we have lots of friends in the industry. We, we keep those relationships. We um, were honest 
in, in our businesses and we're committed. Um, if we say yes, we're going to do something. Our yes is a yes. So we're going to be there for you. So Which um, is why I have a rope tied around her waist so I can yank her back. <laughs> Right. She's the yes person and I'm the no person. I am and I have learned over the years. I can't I can't help everybody all at once. Yes to everybody. But yeah. Um so anyway, that those things will come in handy in your life and um just you know, get out there and and be a friend, be a musician, hang out and you know, we're going to hang out with you here for quite a while. We have a lot lot to share. We have lots of friends to bring in and people in the industry, you know, that we can reach out to, to interview and, and give us some information that we all need, right? It's yep. an ever-changing, crazy industry that we're in. So thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time and we, um, come back. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs>